You are listening to Holy Words from Holy Cross, the sermon podcast of Holy Cross Evangelical Lutheran Church in Nazareth, Pennsylvania. We hope you find these words a blessing in your daily walk with God. Please visit us on the web at www.holycrossnazareth.org or in person at 696 Johnson Road, Nazareth, Pennsylvania. Would you join me for a word of prayer? Lord God, your word, your word often challenges us. But more deeply, it comforts us with the knowledge of all that you have done for the sake of our salvation. Lord, as we open the scriptures, we pray that you would open them to us. By the power of your spirit, lead us to a right understanding. And may our lives then be conformed to that which is pleasing in your eyes. This we ask in the precious name of Jesus Christ, our Savior. Amen. Amen. So this is one of those weird days in the life of the church. Um, Usually, when I talk with my unbelieving friends, they have trouble believing Jesus would say something that he said. Um, because they're not Christians. They don't have the same frame of reference as I do. They don't know the stories as well. They don't understand who Jesus is and what the import of these words might be. But this is one of those weird Sundays when we have trouble understanding Jesus because we are Christians. Because we have been so conditioned by nearly 2,000 years of Christianity that we hear a parable where Jesus is, in the end, says that the owner praises the dishonest manager, and we're left going, huh? I mean, thou shalt not steal is one of the big ten, right? (laughs) Well, it's important to remember what a parable is. A parable is not a just-so story, for those of you who remember Rudyard Kipling. The word parable means literally to lay two things down next to each other. You lay them down next to each other so that one can help you understand the other. So the point of a parable is not a one-to-one correspondence with something in reality. But you look at the central piece of the parable and then you apply that over into something else in a different way. So it's, it's closer to like Aesop's fables. When I was a kid, I, we had a picture book of Aesop's fables and, and I remember a bunch of them. And the one I remember best was the one with the crow and the sour grapes. Not, it, no place did I actually think there was a crow somewhere that didn't want to get the grapes or was complaining because he couldn't. Um, I knew that it was supposed to be for me, that I was not supposed to complain about things as a child. Um, and so, so similarly, we have to look attentively at the words of the parables to understand what Jesus is, is pointing at. Now, as you do that, it's helpful to remember that we are not the first people who heard this parable. In fact, 
This parable wasn't told to Christians originally, right? It was told to a group of people who were considering whether Jesus might be the prophet who was promised to come. Maybe even the Messiah. But weren't yet convinced. And in fact, today we're told that it was being told to at least the Pharisees were in attendance and paying attention to Jesus' words. What's important to know about the Middle East, and it's true to this day, is that one of the things that is valued most is shrewdness. Shrewdness. Being able to, to be have quick intellect on the fly and be able to dicker and be able to, to think on your feet. And this was true in Jesus' day as well. And notice that at the center of today's parable... The owner of the property praises the dishonest manager not for his dishonesty. In fact, a few lines later, Jesus will say that those who are dishonest with little will be dishonest with much. It's not his dishonesty he's praised for. He's praised for his shrewdness. So, to take you a little bit back into the mindset of the people who were hearing this parable originally, because while the word is for us, It was first for them. And it needed to make sense to them and we need to make sense of it by learning to hear it the way they heard it. This man is about to lose his entire position. And notice what his options are. Hard manual labor, which he's not strong enough to do, or begging. That's all that is going to be open to him because he is not going to leave with a recommendation from his employer. And no one else is going to employ him to do what he's done so far. And it's going to be desperate. The, the owner has said to him, give me the accounting, so give me the accounting of what you've done. And so he's, this is essentially the boss saying, go to your office, grab that thing off your desk and bring it over here. The hammer is about to come down and it's about to come down hard and fast. The man's desperate. He thinks on his feet and says, huh, I'm going to call these people in who owe my master money and I'm going to cut down their cut down their debt. Now, this does two things, one of which is highlighted in the text. The first thing it does is it puts the people whose debt he cut down in his debt. Now, this is a culture where honor is a big deal. If someone has done something for you, you owe them in return. And he's about to be on the streets. So it'd be really nice if he had dinner waiting for him someplace tonight when he knocked on the door. So this puts puts them in his debt. But it does something else too. It puts the owner over a barrel. Because status is everything in a culture that values honor. And what has just happened is, the steward has spoken on behalf, or the manager has spoken on behalf of his, of his employer. And said, hey, you know, you owed 100, now you owe 80. You owed 100, now you owe 50. He's done this with multiple people. Now the owner either has to step up and say I'm too stupid to know when I've got a bad person working for me or go back to those people and say you know you still owe me a hundred I know you thought you were getting off light but now you owe me a hundred this makes the owner look bad in everyone's eyes and he's going to lose status in the community and quite possibly business the manager has played this very shrewdly And for this, he's praised by the owner because what was the owner told? The owner was told he was incompetent at his job. Well, he's just demonstrated his competence. (laughs) 
Now the application of this, the reason why Jesus tells this story in a way that everyone listening to him would have understood his point. The reason why the man is being praised for shrewdness, the application that Jesus takes as he lays one thing down alongside another is that people people put that much effort and energy into the things of this world which are passing away. And not nearly as much energy or effort into the things of God which are eternal. Before worship today, Michael and I were having a conversation about priorities and setting your priorities in terms of time management. Because everyone's busy today, right? We're all busy. But we're, we often are more concerned with what's going to happen in our job, what's going to happen in our social status, how many likes we have on Facebook, maybe what thing is going to affect my physical stuff. Pays, I, it takes up a lot more of my time and attention than the things that are going to last forever. My eternal destiny and my character, which is meant to be a reflection of the God who I serve, I'm not nearly as shrewd sometimes about those eternal things as I am about the things that are only temporary. And that's Jesus' point. We are supposed to be more shrewd about the things that will last forever and the things that have a deeper impact on who we are, on the state of our souls as human beings than we are about the circumstances of our lives which are largely beyond our control anyway. This means we have our priorities in the right place. Now Jesus came to save sinners of who I am chief, to quote the Apostle Paul. But that doesn't mean that I should be not trying to do my best, especially now that I know the loving character of the God who has saved me. To have as a higher priority, my son's getting ready to apply for colleges, a school where his character will be as attended to as much as his ability to do physics, which is what he wants to go in for, God help him. To evaluate whether this is a place that I will grow spiritually for the next four years or whether that will be more of a challenge but I'm going to have a good degree when I'm done. This is part of the encouragement we're giving him as he's beginning to think about his future. But it's the way we all ought to think. Have you ever heard the phrase, their goose was cooked? You heard that phrase? Do you know where it comes from? John Hus. John Hus was one of the reformers um, who uh, translated the Bible and heresy of heresies into a language everyone could read. And um, they caught him and they were going to burn him at the stake. Now the, the word Hus in his native tongue means goose. So he was literally going to get his goose cooked. (laughs) When he knew what his punishment was to be, he took his candle in the prison cell and practiced placing his hand over it until he could stand the pain no more and then pulled it back. Then practiced putting his hand over it and tried to hold it a little bit longer each time. Because 
when he was dragged in front of a crowd and about to be burned to death, he wanted to be faithful even unto death. He practiced at that last trial in a small way because his priority was to be faithful in the eyes of God. Jesus, through this strange and foreign parable to our ears, calls us to do the same thing. To prioritize God and His kingdom above everything else in our lives, that everything else in our lives might have its proper place. Will you join me for a word of prayer? Lord Jesus, we give you thanks and praise that for all our many failures, you have given yourself into our human condition and given your life upon the cross. Bless us, Lord, that in the forgiveness we receive at your gracious hand, we do not take that as a license to do whatever we want, but instead learn from you grow according to your word that our character may begin to reflect your gracious will and your own good and character. Strengthen us, Lord, for this most sacred of tasks and help us to remember that we cannot serve two masters but to always serve you. We ask this in your precious name for you live and reign with the Father and the Holy Spirit. One God now and forever. Amen. Be thou my vision, O Lord of my heart. Not be all else to me, save that thou art. Be thou my best thought in the day and the night. Waking or sleeping, thy presence my light.